0: You know, the Bible says clap your hands, all you people, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Now, triumph isn't just a motorcycle. I like motorcycles. But the word triumph means complete, total victory. That's what God has for you, his people, complete Total victory in everything. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's so amazing. I mean, we watched the video of the kids. They got so excited over, over the boxes, but also the love that God was showing them through those people that made the boxes, you. And then Becky talked about rejoicing, how the Lord rejoices over you. Right. Listen, if I looked at me, I wouldn't probably rejoice over me. But God rejoices over me no matter what's going on in my life because he loves me. He knows the plan he has for my future. He knows how he wants to assist and help us overcome. And if that's the case, man, we ought to be just rejoicing all the time over God. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. God is so good. He is so good. And and I've just got to apologize to you because you know, um, there's, a, there's a tendency here for people to l- maybe look at me and Debbie and, and what we're doing, maybe you think it's okay for you to do. And if we're not doing it, maybe it's not okay. I, I have to tell you, not only am I follically challenged, I am rhythmically challenged. And so I don't always clap. I love to clap, but I don't always clap because I don't want to mess these guys up because they're doing such a great job. I don't want to mess you up. But listen, we need to clap our hands to the Lord. We need to shout with a voice of triumph. You know, just cut loose and let God know how appreciative you are of Him. Not just Sunday, but all the time. Amen? <laughs> praise God. Well, before you're seated, if you just turn and wave to somebody and you can, you can be seated, aren't you grateful for the praise and worship team? I am. Thank you very much. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. God is is so good. He is all the time. No matter what we're going through or what we're experiencing, it doesn't change God. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and that's it. Oh, no, forever. Forever. You can count on him. You know, and that's so important because in the times we're living in, how, how many of you realize, I know this is a dumb question, but how many of you realize you, you may wake up in the morning and things have changed radically? Yeah. Hey, we're, we're close to the election. And some, Dino, you know, there, there are literally, I've run into people this week that, that have been on the verge of terrified because of what might happen in the election. Listen, the election is important. I told you last week uh, that, number one, you need to pray. Amen? Need to pray. We need to be praying. But we should be praying all the time. Praying for our government, for those in authority. Whether you like them or voted them in or not, you need to pray for them. To have God have his way in their lives. And God have his way in in our, our country. And God have his way in our lives. But you should also vote. All right? But no matter what happens in this election, no matter who gets elected, God is still on the throne. Oh, that was weak. Hey, I hope you at home are just rejoicing over that because it's the truth. You don't have to panic about anything. Tough, tough, tough. Because God is in control. As much as we've allowed Him to be in control of our life, and you know what? You may say, Well, I don't know if He's going to have His way. God's going to have His way. There's nothing. There is no one that is going to stop God's plan from coming to pass. And listen, you and I may not have a lock on what God's plan is, but we can have a lock on God and our confidence being God, trusting Him no matter what goes on. Amen? Amen. And that way we don't have to be, uh, you know, so uh, fearful and, and so... Uh, unstable and insecure about what's going on in our society. The greatest thing that we can have is a faith, a confidence in God, a devotion to God, and then realize that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. When everything else is just coming unglued and coming apart, we can be confident that God is with us, God is for us, and God is going to bring us through. Amen? Amen. Okay. or. Well, we've been learning. We've been learning about about the end times and and what's going on and about deception. Did you know that deception is directly related to receiving the mark of the beast? Now You may say, well, what's the mark of the beast? It's something that's going to happen in the last times. People are going to be deceived, and they're going to receive the mark of the beast. Now, I'm not going to go into that today, but I'm going to tell you that deception is rampant in our society. And deception is this. It's it's when people believe something to be true that is not true but is a lie. And we've been learning this, and the foundation Scripture for this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, where the Apostle Paul was concerned about the, the church at Corinth uh, just as, as he would be about the church in America, the church in Asia, the church wherever it is, because the enemy is the great deceiver. He uses deception in all manners and forms to try and get us to believe something that's not true, because where deception is, there's loss. And and the apostle Paul was saying, you know, he was concerned that somehow their pure and undivided devotion, devotion is, is a strong love, loyalty, and passion for Christ. Now, as a Christian, I should have the passion above all passions, my, my devotion above all devotions, my love above all loves, my loyalty above all loyalties t- should be to, to Jesus, to Jesus. But understand this, that, that every day in all sorts of facets of our life, there are things pulling on us to be passionate about. Is it wrong to be passionate about sports? No, it's not wrong. Is it wrong to be passionate about cooking? No, it's not wrong to be passionate about a lot of things, but what comes to the place that it becomes wrong is when our passion for those things exceed our passion for the Lord. Because then things are out of order and we're deceived. When I put more passion into anything else other than God, I'm deceived. And where there's deception, there is right. And where there's devotion, there's gain. And so this devotion, this strong love, loyalty, and passion for Christ, uh, Paul was saying to the Corinthians, you know, I'm concerned. I, 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 I am, it's, it's uncomfortable because I'm looking at you and I'm wondering if your pure and undivided devotion to Christ would be corrupted. And corrupted means to, to seduce to sin or pull away towards sin or evil. And and so he's saying there are things that are working on you to pull you away from God towards something else. And so losing our devotion, which is losing the gain that comes from devotion to Christ, and being deceived, which again is is bringing loss into our lives that they would be deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. And so we've been looking at this and and deception is connected To the enemy, in in the book of Revelation, it says that he's the one that deceives the whole world. He's the one deceiving the nations. And what's the enemy here to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Anybody want any of that? No. But that's exactly what deception brings. It brings loss. It steals from us. It destroys things in our life. It kills us. And that's where we've got to be aware. And how do you become aware of deception? By knowing the truth by knowing God, knowing his word, by allowing people who know the truth and who love us to speak truth into our lives lovingly to help us get free of the deception because the worst kind of deception is self-deception, when we deceive ourselves. And we found out we deceive ourselves when we're hearers of the word and not doers. And that gap between what we've heard and what we're doing is where we allow the enemy to operate. And some of us, we've got small gaps, and some of us, we've got wide gaps because we hear a lot, but we're not doing a lot. And so we need to take a look at our lives, evaluate our lives, and determine are we doing what we're hearing, what we know from the Word of God, and get things up to speed. We're always going to be learning and growing and developing. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. And so we're, we're, we're also aware of the deception. Last week, we looked at Hebrews chapter 3, where it talked about people hardening their hearts and how the deception of sin causes us to harden our hearts towards God. When we get into sin, we become hard-hearted towards God. If I'm hard-hearted towards somebody, uh, does that mean I'm gonna want to be around him a lot? No. If 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 I became hard-hearted towards Dave, sitting right here, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't look at him a lot. I wouldn't get real close to him. I definitely wouldn't listen to him. I I wouldn't value much about him. But when our hearts become hard towards God, it's the same thing. We don't want to hang around God. We don't want to listen to God. We we don't want any influence by God. We just want to kind of wall him out. And there are a lot of Christians that wall out God. You know, I've run into people and there have been times in my life I've been tempted to be angry at God and say, God, you are the problem. But guess what? I was deceived because God is never anyone's problem. I'll say that again. God is never anyone's problem. God is always the solution. He's the greatest ally humanity could ever have. And the moment you or I think that God is the problem, We're deceived. And where there's deception, there is loss. And we're being ripped off. We're being robbed of things that that God has designed and desired and sacrificed to make available to us. But we're going without because we're deceived. But when we're devoted, there's gain. There's gain in devotion. Every time we sin, when Eve sinned, Adam sinned, they redirected away from God they turned away from God their hearts became heart towards God they believed that they could get what they needed somewhere else and the result was sin that's in the world today that we're we're still dealing with but God in his great love made a provision to redeem us to save us and to secure for us again all the abundant life that he had planned originally for us that We were turned away from because of sin. And so there there are benefits, gains from devotion, and there's loss from deception. And today we're going to look at those. Uh, We're going to see and and very quickly see we do not want to allow deception to operate in our lives. We want devotion to be at the core of our lives and ever increasing. But before we do, we're going to pray. So if you just bow your heads. Those of you at home, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. Whether it's here, whether it's at home, wherever anybody is, you're right there. And we invite you right now to speak to our lives. Your word says we don't live by bread alone, but we plan to eat today. So, Father, uh, we live by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Father, I pray today that as your word goes forth, that Holy Spirit will quicken it to our lives... We're going to have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us, the church, that we would be transformed, we would be empowered, we, we would have our devotion increased towards you and our deception decreased. And the Father the good work that you've begun in us, you'll be faithful to complete because you're at work in us to willing to do your good pleasure through your word and by your spirit. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said Amen. Do you know what amen means? So be it. So you just said, let that be in my life. Let it be. I'm not going to sing it. All right, so where do we find the, the benefits and, and uh, the losses from uh, devotion and deception? We're going to start looking at a very, very common place. Uh, it's probably known by most of you, but it's in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. And, and this is what the psalmist writes. Blessed is the man or woman. And man is just generic for humanity. Blessed is the man. And, and if I asked you today, do you want to be blessed? Every one of us would be. I, I, I'd want to pray for you if you said, I don't want to be blessed. But the Amplified, when, when, when you read that, the Amplified translation here is happy. It means to be envied. It means to prosper. You know, it's, 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 it's so important that we understand that blessing enhances our life. It enriches our life. And God is a God of blessing. God spoke to Abraham when he cut covenant with Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Don't you wish you were Abraham? God's speaking to you. I'm, I want to bless you. God is speaking to you all the time. I want to bless you. That's why he gave Christ to give you abundant life. He wanted so much blessing to come into your life that it would overflow into the lives of people around you. Did you get that? I hope you did. I hope you're excited about that because there's a lot in this world that can cause us to be discouraged. But we should not be discouraged because our God is greater than the world we live in. And that's where we need to take heart. We need to be excited. We need to be passionate about God. We, we need to be devoted to God. We need to be people that are on fire for God. When the world around us is burning down, we are lighting up. It's growing darker. You and I should grow brighter. But blessed is the man. Now it's telling us how this prosperity, how how this blessing is, is experienced in our lives. There are things we should do and things we shouldn't do. How many of you know There's not just sins of commission—things we do that are wrong. There are things that we don't do that we should do. Those are sins of omission. And so, to be blessed, there are things we need to walk in and things we need to stop walking in. And so, he says, "Blessed the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful." I want you to notice in this what's happening is there's an ever increasing connection influence that's happening you're walking along and somebody that doesn't know the Lord has happened to be walking where you're walking and they're just telling you things that they think it doesn't happen to line up with the word of God and all of a sudden you start thinking man that sounds right how many of you know a lot of things that aren't true sound right and you and I've got to know what truth is to recognize what's not true When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the enemy was quoting Scripture, but the problem with the enemy quoting Scripture is the Word of God true. But can we use the Word of God in a manipulative way that God never intended? Absolutely. And that's what was happening. The enemy was using the Word of God to try and manipulate Jesus to do something that was contrary to truth. And that was going to rob from him. If he believed that, and why the enemy was telling them to do that then deception was going to be there there was going to be loss and so right here we can we can we're supposed to be around unsaved people ungodly people can Christians act ungodly absolutely can Christians sin absolutely so whether it's Uh, Being ungodly, sinful, or scorners. It's not necessarily saying Christian, non-Christian. It's talking about what people are doing. And so we've got to be aware not to be influenced. The Bible says evil company corrupts good morals. It means that those people we hang around, the more we hang around them, the more influence they're going to have on us. And that doesn't mean we should isolate ourselves. Listen, as a Christian, we are not supposed to isolate. What we are supposed to do is insulate. It's not about our proximity. It's about what we've we've built in. Our devotion to God is so strong that we're not going to fall prey to what people are telling us because we love God. We love his word. We we are led by his spirit. And so we're not going to take that turn off track from God, off the path of God. But this is telling us you're blessed when you don't do that. When you're devoted to God, there's a blessing that comes. There's a prosperity that comes. There's a happiness, a joy that comes, a peace that comes, a hope that fills us. But when we get off track, some of those things begin to diminish and dwindle in our lives. It goes on to say, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, now that word delight is not a word I use a lot, but uh, I, I kind of know what it means, but I looked it up. It means a longing for, a bend towards, a desire, or a passion, or to be inclined towards. Now I will tell you something I've had a delight in. Now I delight myself in the Lord, but when we're talking in the natural, sometimes we're like, "Yeah, I delight myself in the Lord too." But I, when I first met this person, I bent towards this person. I had a passion. I had a drawing towards this person. And she's already getting embarrassed, <laughs> and that's my wife. When when I met Debbie in college, I I, I saw her. I was working for the food service company on campus. I was serving lunch, and she was she wasn't even in line yet. She was coming towards line. And I was like, "Gong!" My eyes could have stuck out of my head; they would have. And and I noticed her, and I just couldn't take my eyes off her. And I had to find out about her. All of a sudden, she became. All-consuming to me. I, I wanted to know who she was. I was gonna do whatever it took to, to somehow find out about her. And and I I found out about her class schedule. <laughs> where, where are you going? <laughs> and and so what I would do is I would I would literally run out of my class. She doesn't even know this. I never told her this. But I would run out of my class, and I would run to campus where I knew she had to be somewhere in that, traveling from her last class to her next class just so I could see her. I'm scoring points. <laughs> but it's true. And, and when I wasn't around her, I'd think about her, and, and I'd, I'd, I'd ask people about her, I'd talk about her. Not in a bad way. In a great way. But that's, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, man, we want to see him. We want to be around him. Uh, We we, we would love to talk with him and hear him. and, And there's a priority that he has in our lives. Now, I want you to know, as passionate and as much as I delighted in Debbie, there's somebody that's taken the first place in my life. And she's okay with it. And that's the Lord. Man, I think about the Lord. I, 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 I talk to the Lord all the time. But you know what? Our, our world says if you're talking to God, you're crazy. And that's how crazy they are. Because the Bible says you as his, his sheep, you hear the voice of the good shepherd. Now, the problem with that is you, you may not hear him because you're listening to too many other voices. You need to get alone with God. You need to take time and sit and be still with God. And I'll tell you right now, as you do that, it's going to be monstrously uncomfortable. But I will tell you, it will be worth it as you spend time with God. And, and you may say, well, I don't know if I'm going to hear him. you got to believe that you will. Believe before it happens and it will. It's not like you're going to hear this thunderous voice. Many times God will speak to you with an inward witness. He'll, he'll remind you of the word of God. But you can, you can receive guidance from God by his word and by his spirit. And so this man is blessed because he doesn't, he's not guided or governed by people that don't know God. But he delights. He has a passion. He has a love. He has a loyalty, a devotion to God above other people. You know, just recently in The Word for You Today, it talked about the fear of man bringing a snare. It entraps you. It trips you up. You can't be. It's natural to be concerned about what everybody else thinks, but the only one that really matters about what they think is God because he's the one that knows your true value. It goes on to say this is a result of, of us delighting in Him and meditating on His Word day and night. It says He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It didn't say one river. It says rivers. And, and as I read that, I was reminded my grandmother used to live, my grandmother and my granddad used to live in Pittsburgh. It's, it's called the Three Rivers area. And this is rivers. When, when you're planted by rivers, do you expect them to run dry? No, and even if one does, the others won't. You're not going to be affected by the other things. It goes on to say this. That brings forth its fruit. You're planted by the rivers. Brings forth its fruit in season whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. Prosper. Thanks, Kathy. Yeah, prosper. You know, I don't know a single person, saved or unsaved, that doesn't want their life to prosper Ongoingly. And God has promised this is what's going to happen when we delight ourselves in Him, when we meditate on His his Word, because the Bible says in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, that His Word is like water, that He washes us, and we as husbands are supposed to wash our wives with the water of the Word. That water refreshes, it cleanses, it brings life. And this says, we're we're like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, whatever he does prospers. And that indicates that the environment that you're in will not affect you because of what you're planted in, who you're devoted to, who you're passionate about, as long as it's the Lord. In the days we live in, this ought to be something we look at and we say, that's what I'm gonna have, I'm not gonna let anything divide my devotion, distract me from Christ and my passion for the Lord and and my love for the Lord, my loyalty to the Lord. It goes on to say in verse 4 the ungodly are not so, they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand. Now, listen. When it's talking about chaff that the wind drives away, it's talking about something that is just light and, and no real substance. Man, we've got, we've got storms. I'm not talking about just in the natural. I'm talking about in the spirit. There are storms. There are all sorts of things going on in our world today, in our society today, naturally and spiritually, and you can't afford, I can't afford to be a lightweight. Because if you're a lightweight, all this stuff that's going on is going to blow you out. Out. It's going to toss you to and fro. You're going to be up and down and back and forth and in and out because we're lightweights. And God said, don't be a lightweight. Put your roots down. Put your roots down. Have a devotion. Have a passion for me. And you know what? As a tree in that wind, you may bend, but you're not going to break. The winds are going to come, they're going to go, but you're going to stand because you're standing in me. And if you think that I am just too exuberant this morning, I want you to know, you're wrong. Because if I'm not passionate about God, then my life isn't going to be what God wants it to be, has made it possible to be. And, And as much as, you know, there are a lot of things I'm passionate about, I'm devoted to. I enjoy sports. But if I'm going to get up and I'm going to yell at my TV or yell in the stands for somebody, I better darn well yell for God much more than I ever yell for any of that stuff. If I'm going to be outspoken in my loyalty for a political party, then I ought to be far more outspoken. People ought to know far more about my devotion, my loyalty, my passion, my love for God than they do about any, any political party. And if you have a hard time with that, it's probably because it's hitting too close to home. And you need to take a look at your life and consider, are, are you so willing to tell people where you stand politically or on any other issue and hesitant to tell them where you stand with Christ. Because that's an indication your devotion isn't what it should be. My devotion isn't what it should be. And so it, it goes on to say, the ungodly are not so they're like the chaff of the wind. Uh, it drives them. The wind drives them away. And the ungodly will not stand. They won't stand. They won't stand today. They won't stand in the judgment. Go ahead. nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the ungodly will perish. They'll come to nothing. Do you want all the effort that you made in this life to come to nothing? You know, I've sat with young people who are just on the verge of making decisions about what their life is going to be, what, what they're going to do as far as uh, schooling, education, or as far as work. And, and I, I, I ask them certain questions. What's important to you? Well, I, I want a really nice house, and I want a nice car, and I want to have nice clothes, and I want to be able to do, you know. And when they say, well, but I don't really want to do a lot of work. <laughs> oh, you laugh, but I'm telling you. There's this there's a sense of entitlement that, well, I want that all now. When the people they're looking at, their parents or somebody else, it's taken them years and sacrifice and real, real hard work and consistent work so that they kept their job. And, and they don't mesh, and they're deceived. And they're going to come to the end of their life, and they're going to wonder, why, why did you fail me, God? God doesn't fail anybody. It's whether we're going to align ourselves with God or we're going to go contrary to God. If we go contrary to God, we're basically pushing God away and we're being devoted to something else. And devotion to something else is just deception. Where there's deception, there is. And that's what we see. For people who have chosen to go contrary to God's sin. And again, as a Christian, I can sin. Anytime, anywhere, anyplace. place, In anything. And that's going to bring loss because I'm deceived into thinking what I'm about to choose is going to be better than what God has. Now it goes on in Jeremiah chapter 17. We see this again. It's not just once. We see it again. And, and first I want you to see it's talking about the sin of Judah. You know, when, when we sing... This is how I fight my battles. It's not just singing songs, it's praising God. We need to praise God. In the midst of our battles, we need to lift up a praise and a shout of victory because God has a victory for you in every battle you enter. Every battle. Because doesn't the Bible say that you're overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in most things through Christ who loves you? I hope you're getting that at home. It's not most things, it's all things. God's presenting you in the, before you ever fight a battle, the victory. So if you're going into the battle with the victory already at hand, how should you go in? Oh my gosh, I wonder if we're going to make it up. (laughs) Would you pray for me? You wouldn't know it from some Christians. Man, if we know God's given us the victory, that we're overwhelmingly more than conquerors, We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed coming out, blessed going in, blessed in everything we set our hand to. That's what God said about you. Then when we go into this battle, we go in, yes! Thank you, Lord, for the victory. Because your God proclaims the end from the beginning. If he does that, you ought to do that. Thank you for the victory, Lord. Listen. I I appreciate your applause and I'm not looking for your applause. But I I I am here to impassion you towards God today. But listen, I can't do this every day. You have to do this for you. You have to do this for the people around you. You have to show the people that don't know God and don't care about God how passionate you are about God because he's a good God. He's good not just on Sundays. He's good on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. He's good every day. He's good not just in the days you get a promotion or you have a breakthrough. He's good on the days that all hell's breaking loose because because all heaven is coming forth. This is talking about Judah. Remember when, when they sent the praisers first? When we fight our battles, we fight with, from the position of victory. God said, send, send the praisers first. I'm sure all the praisers were like, oh, where's my weapon? You got a weapon. Your praise and worship is a weapon. Do you understand that the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people? He inhabits, he embodies, he lives in the praises of his people. I want him all around me, so I'm going to praise him all the time. Because if the enemy's got to get to me, he's got to go through him. And he's already been whipped by him once. And he'll be whipped by him every time. So he's not going to mess with me. But he'll come after you if all you do is murmur and complain and moan and groan about what's going on. Because our, our, our focus isn't on who we're devoted to. We're deceived into thinking we don't have a victory. And where there's deception, there is, where there's devotion, there is gain. And so we ought ought to always have our focus on God and recognize what what he's doing, what he's done, what he wants to do in our lives. Uh, And so this is talking about Judah, but it says the sin of Judah is inscribed. Remember, sin is deceptive inscribed with iron chisel, engraved with a diamond point on their what? Man, when sin gets into our lives, when we get admired and entrapped and entangled with sin, it hardens our heart. When our heart is hardened towards God, we're deceived into thinking we can't go towards God. The moment you and I sin, that ought to be the first place we run. But is it the first place we think we can run? I'm just being honest with you, because I used to live my life, when I would sin, I would not be feeling like I could go towards God. I would feel like I've got to beat myself up, and I've got I've to punish myself, and then I could drag my, my old broken self in and say, God, see what I did? I'm sorry I did this, And but I beat myself up. Can I come back? Oh, maybe you're not that way. But I want you to know God is... Open arms, welcoming and waiting for you to come to him. Because the only way we can overcome sin and and the loss of sin in our lives is to go to our Redeemer. But go repent. We 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 confess our sin to God. And first John 1 9 says, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, we're right back in, in right standing. Just like the day we got saved, we're that pure before God. He doesn't remember what you did. Does he know? Yeah, but he doesn't remind you or anybody else what what you did. And so this this was hard-heartedness. Now this is the environment that we're going to read in verse 5 through verse 10 what was going on. And and I'll remind you that part of this, one of these scriptures down in in verse verse 9, I believe it was, Dave Parker Jr. shared with us. It was a great teaching. But it says, this is what the Lord says. Who says this? Is he ever wrong? No. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere mere humans who rely on human strength. Now listen. This is what cursed means. It means to hem or surround with obstacles. It means to render powerless. Now, is God doing that? No, we do that to ourselves. The moment we move into sin, we move away in deception we're about to lose. There are all sorts of obstacles that begin to surround us. We're drawing that stuff to us from the enemy. We make ourselves powerless. I make myself powerless the moment I choose anything other than God because the Bible says be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And so this is what we do to ourselves because we're deceived by the enemy and we put our trust in mere human beings. Now, who who does that include? Everyone. Does that include uh, uh, the smartest people on the earth? Does that include the, the, the most powerful people on the earth? Are you ready for this one? Does that include you? Yeah, we can't put our trust in ourselves. We have to put our trust in God. We have to put our confidence in God. It says, Who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. Stunted shrubs in the desert. Man, do you know it's really depicting a tumbleweed? What good is a tumbleweed? Maybe you haven't had much dealings with tumbleweeds. When Debbie and I got married, I took her to the paradise of Bakersfield, California. It was a desert. All it had was oil fields, and and they pumped water in to try and grow crops. But when we drove into town, we drove in, and, and there seemed to be wind there most of the time. All of a sudden, this tumbleweed rolled across the road, and Debbie was like, what? I said, honey, I brought you to the garden place of California. She didn't believe that for a minute. Everybody called Bakersfield the armpit of California. It was, it, was, it, it was all right to live there. I mean, it, it was unique. We, we not only had tumbleweeds, we had wind storms, dust storms. I remember going into Baskin-Robbins and coming out with my ice cream cone. Not a smart thing to do in a dust storm. Unless you like to clean your teeth while you eat your ice cream. Because it was just coated with, with dirt. But But that's the environment. That's the environment he's talking about. He says... They're like stunted shrubs in the desert. This, this tumbleweed, what good is it? Can you get moisture from it? Can you get nourishment from it? Can you get shade from it? No, it's no good for anything. And that's what happens. We're, we're not going to get any benefits. There's no hope for the future. They will live will live in the... barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Does that sound like a place you want to go? But we go there when when we choose to devote ourselves in deception to something other than God. When we, we, we turn away from God. And you know, thinking about it right here and hearing this, we'd say, I'd never do that. But you know what? This week you're going to have opportunities. I'm going to have opportunities to turn away from God, to be passionate, loyal, and, and, and loving towards something other than God that's going to rob me because I'm deceived. And listen, when it robs me, it doesn't just rob me in isolation. When I'm robbed, she's robbed. You know, when I'm robbed, all the people that I interact with are robbed because I don't have the abundant blessing, the abundant life, all the things that God intended for me to be blessed by and then be a blessing to those around me. So the enemy is getting a pretty big bang for his buck. And that's where we have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. But it goes on to say, but blessed are those. Blessed. Happy, like, like the Amplified says in, in Psalm 1. Happy, fortunate, prosperous, to be envied. That's what God has for you. God has for you to be blessed. God has for everybody to be blessed. It's just whether we're going to choose it or not. Are those who trust in who? The Lord. And have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank. Whose roots reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. It means their environment has no effect on them. Your environment in this world, you're in this world, the Bible says, not of this world. And yet we seem to be so affected by what's going on. It's not that we're disconnected. We're just not moved by what's going on in this world. We live this life on behalf of God and heaven. And and it says the trees never stop producing fruit. The other night I was driving into our driveway. It was late. And and I turned left into our our dirt and rock driveway and then left into our regular driveway. as I turned in, one of the things in the area that we lived in, it used to be an apple orchard. And as I turned in, my headlights, remember, it was all dark. My headlights see five deer hanging out underneath this apple tree. A couple of them were standing. One was up on his back legs eating some out of the tree. A couple of them were lying down. Why were they there? Because of the fruit. You know what? They weren't there before. And once the fruit gone, they're not going to be there. But that's why God wants you to bear fruit. All the time. Because that's what people are coming to your life for. They're coming to your life for the fruit of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And this isn't what we produce in ourselves. It's produced in us because we're devoted to God and God's having His way. He's guiding us. He's governing us. And then it goes on to say, The heart, the human heart is most deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who Really knows how bad it is. Only the Lord. It says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards. Do you know the Bible says God is a rewarder? He's a rewarder. God God is not punishing. Sin punishes. And there's judgment coming because of choices people have made. But you as a believer, you stand. There are different judgment seats the Bible talks about. The judgment seat you as a Christian stand before is a judgment seat of reward. God's going to reward you according to your diligence, your obedience, your devotion. But if you haven't been devoted, hadn't been diligent, hadn't been obedient, Well, then you don't get a reward. You're in heaven. That's a reward in itself. But there are all sorts of things that that he rewards us for. And don't do it for the rewards. But understand that God is a rewarding God, not a punishing God. Sin has punishment in itself. And, And it says, according to what their actions deserve. He's just. Some people say, I want him to be fair. No, you want him to be just. Just. And so this is what God has but in 2nd Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 it says this for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts whose heart is loyal this goes back to devotion. God's looking to show himself strong on your behalf, but are you loyal? Are you devoted to him? Because where we're not devoted, he's not going to push himself on us. He's not going to make us have what he has for us when we're choosing something or someone else. I wish, I wish he would, but he won't. He loves us too much to control us. It's amazing. In the New English translation, it says this. Certainly the Lord watches the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. Why? Because, again, he won't push his power, his presence, his plan, his provision on anybody that doesn't turn to him and look to him. He just won't control you. He won't force himself. I, I really wish he would, but he, he is love, and love does not control. And so he's waiting for us to turn to him, us to turn up our devotion to him, to give him more areas. When, when I'm devoted to God, then I'm giving him, and my devotion has to increase. And there's a battle every day for what I'm devoted to, but I have to recognize I don't want to experience loss, so I want my devotion to be ever-increasing. Does it? No. But that's the goal, to have ever-increasing increasing devotion to God, to see the gain that he has so that the blessing that comes to me can come through me, to my wife, to you, to, to the rest of my family and friends. Because he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. What's he going to find? Man, that's what he wants. He's looking for people whose hearts are devoted to him so he can show himself strong on their behalf. What would it be like for God to show his strength on our behalf? I can't even, I can't, that just blows my mind. I can't imagine what that would be like. But I look at Jesus' life and I see what happened in him and how miracles, how lives were changed. How families were were restored, and that's what our country needs. That's what our world needs now, but it's only going to happen as we're devoted to God in ever increasing degrees. And you may say, well, "Well, this is all good, but this is all in the Old Testament." Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three. In the New Testament, for for everyone, uh, it this is. Uh, this says, but above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you. What it's talking about is what, what all the people of the world, all the Gentiles were after. They were after uh, prosperity. They were after health. They were after food. They were after clothing. They were after house. They were after healing. And this says, if you just make God and his kingdom priority, if you you devote yourself to him, all these other things will be given to you. How many of you know you don't struggle when somebody gives you something? What do you have to do when somebody gives you something? You have to be humble enough to receive it. You just have to reach out. We reach out by faith. Another translation says this make your top priority God's kingdom and way of life, and all these things will be given to you as well. We have a choice. This is why we've been learning about devotion and deception. We've got a choice. We have a world that deception is running rampant. It is widespread and it's ever-increasing. And we as Christians are not immune to deception. But we have to be fortified in our devotion so that deception doesn't rob us of the provision of God. Amen. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. We have been robbed. Through the choice Adam and Eve made, sin came into the world and and robbed us of the abundant life. But God in his goodness, in his devotion to us, we, we, we sang, we read, we heard about God rejoicing over us. Becky shared that scripture this morning. But we need to rejoice over him. We need to be devoted to him. Because when we're not, we're deceived. And when we're deceived, we experience loss. And just as Eve experienced loss, Adam experienced loss, it's still impacting our lives today. And the only way to nullify that, to redeem that, turn that back around, is to recognize who Jesus is. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah that came and died on the cross for your sin and my sin, to repent of our sin, to turn around and turn back to him. And receive him as Lord. This morning I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask all of you to join me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus Christ. Who came into this world and lived a sinless life. Went to the cross and died for my sin. And was raised from the dead in glorious and victorious Victory. Today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I thank you for coming into my life and being Lord of my life from this day forward. I want you to guide me and govern me through your word and your spirit. I thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, uh, please let one of the ushers, let somebody know before you left. If you prayed it online, please go to our website, reslifeny.org. Scroll down to where the prayer request is. Let us know you prayed. If you want to give us your name, we'll be able to pray for you by name. If you want to be contacted, please give us your phone number and somebody will give you a call. Um, a couple of things. One, one, one thing, we've got a couple more things to do, so hang, hang in with us. Uh, one is we've got the election coming up, right? And I told you last week, you know, we need to be praying. We need to be Not our will, not our candidate. We're praying for God's will. And I know some people are arrogant enough to think they know who without a shadow of a doubt. Listen, we don't know God's will. We, we may have an opinion. But I don't see it anywhere in the Bible where it says this candidate or that candidate is going to be elected. So I I can't say for sure. So I pray God's will. God, I'm praying your will. The person you you want in office to accomplish what you want. And, And we pray, but we also vote. You need to vote. It's important that you vote. And if you weren't registered for this election, get registered, would you? We have this privilege and opportunity in this country that isn't afforded to everybody in the world And that is a responsibility that we have. Amen? Uh, The other thing is, I I came across this. Somebody sent this to me. This is a video by Tim Timmons. It's part of a series called 10,000 Minutes. It's just a couple minutes long. This is really, it hits at the heart of what we've been learning, and he does it in a much quicker and better way than I have, so watch the screens. You know, you can, you can find out some more about this this series that he has. It's it's very insightful. It's very thought-provoking. It causes us to really take a, a moment and look at our lives. Uh, before we dismiss, uh, two more things. One is, uh, last Sunday we had a new members class. We had seven people uh, pray and determine this is where God has for them to be. And I'm just, if you're here in this service, we had a couple in the first service, I would ask this, you just stand and uh, Everybody, look at them, wave, and and uh, we'll welcome them. But here, here are the new members: Dan Baker. There's, okay, and uh, stay standing, Dan. Brian Donahue. Phil and Jill Downs. Mark Engelbert, he was in the first service. Uh, Corinne Mason, Is she here, okay, and Bonnie Purdy. Let's give him a hand. Let's join them in standing. And the last thing I want to share with you is next week we have an amazing guest speaker coming in. He's a personal friend of myself, Pastor uh, Gabe and Jeremy. We've known him for years. Uh, Bishop Brian Green. He's from the Boston area. He's going to be coming in to share the word of the Lord with us, and you don't want to miss it. Uh, He has a uh, just a great ministry. He travels around the world and ministers, and he's been willing to come to Rome to, to be with God's people here. So don't mix, miss next week. I just want to pray a blessing over you. So, Father, I thank you for every one of your children here, those are at home. Father, there's no time or distance in the Spirit. I thank you for your presence, your plan, your power, and your provision for them this week. It's fresh, it's new, and it's more than enough. It's overflowing life. That, Father, as you overflow in our lives, we can overflow in the lives we come in contact with, our family, our friends, our co-workers, and even strangers that we come in contact with. Lord, we thank you that you so loved us. You gave your best. And we can love you and give our best to you and to one another. And we thank you, Father, for the victory in everything we encounter this week in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Have a great week. The ushers are going to dismiss you. Follow their direction.